What did we talk about all this year? Anybody know? Yeah, Jesus. Okay, good. That's kind of the central location of everything right there. Uh, and so, oh, thanks. Last week was Samson. Uh, Jesus found in every book of the Bible because Jesus, uh, everything was pointing towards Jesus anyway, and we're pointing towards Jesus. The Old Testament was pointing towards Jesus, so there is Jesus found in every book of the Bible, especially starting with Genesis 1:1. What does Genesis 1:1 say? God created the heavens and the earth. Okay. And we find out that there are plural pronouns in there. And so Jesus was at creation because Jesus is God. And so we get to this <clears throat> lovely uh, book of Ruth. And we have this idea of this kinsman redeemer. Now, we don't have that in our language or our laws. Um, and so it's kind of uh, foreign to us. And so I think this uh, minute and 25 second video really explains it really well before we get into it. So kinsman, what does kin mean? Relative. A relative or family, okay? And a redeemer is to redeem or to buy back something uh, that has a price on its head or a debt. And so we have this idea of kinsman redeemer. It was found in Leviticus chapter 25, 25 through 28. And it says really what, um, what the law was. If one of your fellow Israelites becomes poor and sells some of their property, their nearest relative is to come and redeem what they have sold. So the, the family or the tribe can come back and, and buy that back from the person who took it. If, however, there is no one to redeem it for them, but later on they prosper and acquire sufficient means to redeem it themselves. So if they had enough money, they can go back and buy that back. They are to determine the value for the year since they sold it and refund the balance to the one whom they sold it to they can go back to their own property. So pretty cool. I wish we had that today, right? That would be really nice. Uh, and then maybe a lot of people wouldn't be homeless. Um, and so verse 28, but if they do not acquire the means to repay, 
what was sold will remain in possession of the buyer until the year of Jubilee. Now, this was a really cool year. It was every seven years, and anything that you owed somebody would be canceled. That would be awesome if we had that in our society today. Every seven years, we're done. We're back to zero. It would be returned in the Jubilee, and they can go back to their property. Hmm. So in finding uh, Jesus in the book of Judges, we discuss how Judges gave an account of the nation of Israel, and then they died, and then there was another judge, and they kept going back and forth. And there was about 13 judges that God delivered Israelites. Now, in the midst of Judges, the book of Judges, there is a story about Ruth. So Ruth is actually put in somewhere in between the ninth and 10th judge. And so there was this famine that was going on, and people were dying, and there was this family, and Naomi was uh, the matriarch of the family uh, because the patriarchs or the, the men of the family died, and she had uh, two daughter-in-laws, and one of them left, and Ruth stayed with Naomi. Ruth chapter 1, 16 through 17 says this, and we, we, we read this together, but he's, uh, this is um, Ruth saying this, do not ask me to leave you and turn back. Now, Ruth was not a Israelite yet, okay? Um, and she was saying, hey, wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. And so Naomi had uh, family, and so Ruth was going to uh, go with Naomi to back to their, Naomi's homeland um, and around her kin. And so Naomi returned to Israelite, I mean Israel, bringing Ruth. Things were not easy for them, uh, so they could eat. Ruth collected leftover crops of Boaz. Now that they, what was in the law is that when you had a field, you wouldn't do it. Uh, have all the field processed. Okay, you would actually leave the edges of your field to glean. And so their kind of their idea of um, helping the poor was that they did not glean the outside of the fields. And so the poor could come and, and get those uh, leftovers and they could eat also. So pretty much they took care of everybody themselves. And so here's uh, Naomi and Ruth going back and they didn't have really much money. And so Naomi said to Ruth, hey, can, can you go out and... and get some grain, and help us in, in feeding ourselves. So then Boaz is like, who's that? He's like looking, okay, wait a minute. Something's different in my field today. And so here's Ruth gleaning, and Boaz kind of has intentions. So when Ruth goes back to Naomi and says, this guy Boaz has been wondering uh, who I am, Naomi automatically knew that Boaz was part of the family. Now, this was not the immediate family. You're thinking, oh, that's, that's not right. But it's like a, a distant cousin, nephew, niece, um, one, you know, over and over again. And so uh, the first one in the family that is the male relative would be the kinsman redeemer. Now, Boaz was not the first one. He was the second one. And so they had to uh, have this legal matter in front of the elders of the town. And Boaz says, look, uh, to this other guy, hey, if you don't 
want this land, and if you don't want to buy back uh, Naomi uh, and, and marry uh, Ruth, then I'll do it. And so he steps up, and he, 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 uh, he asks for her hand. And so at the end of the story, they kind of get together, and if they wouldn't have got together, then, well, we'll see a little bit here. So if you look at Boaz and what he did and how he was a type of Christ to Naomi and Ruth. So there are many similarities between Boaz and Jesus. First, they both are protectors, and Boaz protected Ruth without being asked. So nobody came up to say, oh, Boaz, you're second in line, maybe you should do something here. Oh, the law says, Boaz. No, he just was sitting back and saying, look, I can help. What can I do? So in Ruth chapter 2, verse 9, says this. See which part of the field they are harvesting, and then follow them. I have warned the young men not to treat you roughly, and when you are thirsty, help yourself to the water they have drawn from the well. So here's Boaz telling Ruth, hey, whatever you need, I got it. I've told my workers not to look down on you or to treat you roughly. You just go and you, whatever you want. Now, likewise, Jesus is our protector. He has said to Satan and, and sin and shame and guilt, and he says what? Mm-mm, no further. You're done. And so in John 14, 12, he says this. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. So here's Jesus saying this, that, look, I, I've, I've protected them with the name that you gave me. I've guarded them so that no one was lost except the one headed for destruction, as the scripture foretold. And we know who that was. Who was that? Judas, right? So here's Boaz saying, look, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to give you things. I'm going to, I'm going to have my men shy away from you. And again, Jesus as a type. Now, typology is what? It's, it's not Jesus himself as Boaz, okay? It is like an example. And Boaz is like an example of Christ. And so here's Jesus saying, look, you gave me this name. You've given me this power. I'm going to protect my people. And so here's Boaz and Jesus, both qualified as kinsmen redeemers. Now, why would we say that Jesus is kin to us? When we become a Christian, what are we to him? We're brothers and sisters in Christ, right? So if we're brothers and sisters in Christ and we're in the family of God, we're the body of Christ, then we are related in kinship spiritually to Jesus. Now, could we buy ourselves back from sin? No, you cannot do anything to get yourself out of sin. Who's the only one that could do that? Jesus. And so Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. He's the one that made us in our mother's womb. He, he, he made us uh, out of millions of chances. He has made us and knit us together. He has given us a soul. He's given us a purpose. He's given us love. He's given us everything that we ever need spiritually. And he's protected us. Boaz was a close relative of those redeemed. And Boaz, through Ruth, uh, Ruth and Boaz being married, Jesus came. Isn't that cool? That because of Boaz's redemptive qualities, or kinsman redeemer, Jesus came through that lineage. So I wonder what would happen if Boaz did not do that. What if he didn't stand up and said, I'm going to be the redeemer here? What if he just said, oh, that's another woman in my field. Whatever happens, whatever happens. 
What if God didn't put it on his heart to do that? A lot of what ifs, right? But we can look back and see, we see God going through history and, 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 and bringing Boaz into the scene. And so the second thing is, Boaz redeemed Ruth. Yes, very good. Boaz redeemed Ruth, as Jesus has redeemed humanity. They were both willing to take on the role of kinsman redeemer, even though Boaz was not the closest relative to Ruth. He was close relative and ready to take responsibility. And he told Ruth this. Ruth 3.13. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to do his duty, this is the other guy who wants to be the maybe be the kinsman redeemer, that's closer, as your guardian redeemer, good, let him redeem you. But if he's not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. Now, we're all thinking, whoa, they weren't married. And she's lying with him. Well, this was not lying in the bed, okay? This was an idea, and I know this is really weird, and it's kind of like, why would they do that? I'm still questioning this. But Naomi told Ruth, go and lay at the foot of his bed, and while he comes in, and when he awakes, he will see you there. Now, there's been many commentaries of why that is, but the only thing I can really find is that that's a humbling attitude. To sleep at the foot, you kind of got this idea that they're in sandals, and it is, whoo, you know. I don't know if they washed their feet. Well, they probably did wash their feet before they came in, but it wasn't the prettiest smell. You understand me? And so here's Ruth at the foot of the bed, lying on the floor, and he recognizes her and says, stay here for the night, in the morning, you can go, and if this guy doesn't want you, I will take the place. So this is a humbling kind of thing. And when we come to God, we are at his what? We're at his feet. We are humbled at his feet. And so we tell God, hey, humbly, I, I, I should not be sitting in your presence. I should not be standing with you. I should not be called a, a heir to your throne. I should not be called a brother or a sister. I should not be called any of these things. Because I am wicked. But he says, look, Jesus is with you. Jesus is in you. Jesus has saved you. He is a redeemer. Jesus has taken the place. And then you may stand in my presence. Luke twenty-two forty-two says this. Father, if you are willing... Please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Here's Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane before he is crucified. He said, look, my human side, ooh, would anybody else want to be crucified? No. Nobody wants nails on their hands or through their feet or a crown of thorns on their head or pierced in the side or been whipped. Anybody want that as a human? No. And so remember, God was fully human, 100% human and 100% God at the same time. And so here's this human side saying, look, if there's any other way, I don't want to go through this. But then he says, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. And so Jesus considered it joy to go to the cross. And so we can see here Boaz it's saying, look, if somebody doesn't want to redeem you, I will step in the place. Now, we try to have things to redeem us. We try to have uh, food or sex or money or, or the world or our desires or our identity to be filled in that little hole that tries to save us. But can it save us? No, none of that can buy us back. 
None of that can buy the sinfulness that we have in our, our sight. What needs to happen is that we sacrifice. We, 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 we take our humbleness and we throw it at the feet of God and say, look, it, it's not my identity, it's not my ideas, it's not my sex uh, thoughts, it's not my marriage thoughts, it's not my political thoughts, it's not any of my thoughts, it's yours. See, we don't teach that very often, that we need to sacrifice when we come to Jesus. We, we are not ourselves anymore. We are his. We are bought with a price. And so here's Ruth saying, look, I've given everything. Boaz, you're the one who will decide. We don't like that, do we? We think that's weakness. But I tell you, it's stronger to say that I'm humble and that I need your help than it is to stand there and say, no, whatever. I don't need your help. I can do it myself. And we've all failed in that department. Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Boaz and Jesus purchased a valuable thing. It wasn't kind of the inheritance or kind of the physical thing. It was the inheritance of a soul that is loved. And boy, Ruth was loved by Boaz. She was the shining bride. And Jesus says this church is what? The bride of Christ. And we are the shining example of Jesus on earth. And so he purchased us with his blood. So just like Jesus, Boaz paid the price. And boy, was it a hefty price. Here we go. Lastly, both Boaz and Jesus paid the price for their bride. Ruth 4.10. I've also acquired Ruth in the Moabite, Mahalan widow as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property so that his name will not disappear from among his family and from his hometown. Today, you are witnesses. Here's Boaz going to the elders of the town and saying, look, Okay, this guy doesn't want anything to do with this. I'm going to say in front of you, hey, I, I, I want this to happen. And why did he have to have witnesses? I mean, he could have just, you know, hey, Ruth, come to my house, we're done, we're married. But the law said that you need to be in front of witness, two or more. Isn't it amazing how many uh, people saw Jesus after he came back? Anybody know? 500 or more. And here's the law saying you need at least two witnesses. And so he went in front of the elders and he, he said, look, you're today the witness. I want this to be bought back. From my own pocket, from my own estate, I want to pay everything. And here's Jesus, the same thing. How high a price did he have to pay us back, to pay our sins? What was the price? Death. When you wanted to break a covenant, there had to be blood spilled. And so the covenant of the Old Testament had to be fulfilled by blood, right? And so Jesus' blood fulfilled the Old Testament covenant, but if we're not with Jesus, it is not fulfilled. And so you're still under the curse of the law. And so when we come to Jesus, we are going to have to change. There is a have to. There should be a Holy Spirit-filled change that happens. And so when we read 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 18 through 20, we understand that we are going to sacrifice everything to Jesus because he sacrificed first. And we humble ourselves at his feet. And so this should be a no-brainer when we read this. Now, our, our, our society doesn't like this scripture. Hopefully Christians do, because if you're a Christian, you're going to change. And you've got to have his definition and his way and his will. 
So here's the sacrifice. When he sacrificed himself, we sacrificed these things. And here it is. Flee. Now, this word flee is what? Like, get the heck out of there. Run. I mean, like, sprint. I mean, like, uh, Vera, how many miles is a marathon? 26.2. Okay, you need to, uh, you did half, right? Ladies, you are wonderful. Anyway, I mean, you are running a marathon. You don't stop. You don't stop after the 26. You don't stop after the 100. You just keep going. You flee. And yet sometimes we like to go, well, nobody will see this picture. Well, nobody will see this video. Well, nobody will see this behind closed doors of the other person. And then what happens? Everybody knows. And we're like, how did that get there? Well, there was a little thing over here that started. And now we see this. But we all have little sins. And yet we point at the person who now is visually, oh, he's had sex with this person. Oh, we can condemn him now. But we're all sinners. We all start with those little things. And it leads to that. And yet we have the audacity to point the finger. Look at this. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against who? Their own body. Why? Because Jesus is in our body. So when we are having sex outside of the confines of God's definition of marriage, Jesus is right along with you if he's in your body. It even says here, look, do not, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. So we're subjecting Jesus to an adulterous idea. We are subjecting him to sexual immorality. I don't want to do that to Jesus. Jesus paid a price for our life to be free from sin, and yet we go keep going back to it. Stop that. Stop it. He says that a lot to me. Frankie, stop that. Just... But he doesn't get angry, does he? He waits. He patiently waits. And finally, finally, you get to a point and said, look, I'm free. I'm, that's, that's good. I'm, I'm done. And it's so much more freeing on the other side when you just stop. Jesus is better and the truer Boaz. Boaz redeemed the land and, the, and Ruth, but Jesus redeemed the earth and the entire human race by that one sacrifice. He redeemed us not to go back to sin. And yet if we do, we can come back and be redeemed again by confessing our sins and, and repenting. If you still have breath, you still have a chance to repent. If you have breath, you still have a chance to get with Jesus. Jesus is coming back. There's no ands, ifs, or buts. I don't know how many times we have to say that. He's coming. It's rushing to us. And yet we're like, well, we have another day. No, we have another week. Well, we have another month. Come to Jesus now. It's going to come, and you're going to be like, whoops. And it's done. I want you to be with Jesus. He redeemed all people to come to him. And even, he even redeemed language. Check this out. This is awesome. If we go to the Hebrew root word of redemption, oh, this just like blows your mind. Okay? Even to language, it points to Jesus. The first Hebrew word is fada. Everybody say it with me. Fada. 
It's like you're saying father, but like with that Italian father, you know. But here's, here's the root word in Hebrew, father, and it means a legal document regarding the firstborn. It's a ritual cleansing of an animal that was sacrificed for an unclean animal. Hmm, that's interesting. Fada, a redemption term saying that the clean animal, Jesus, sacrificed for the unclean animal, humans. Even in the language, he redeemed it. Another one is gaal. Okay? This is a verb, and it, and it simply states the family relation or possession, the performance of the redeemed one to redeem someone back. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is awesome. Even in Hebrew, even in the language, God has redemptive plans of Jesus. Gaal means perform the duties of, and it's found in the Old Testament 18 times, and out of the 18 times, 13 of them are found in Isaiah, and Isaiah was pointing to who? Oh my goodness. I mean, this is some exciting stuff. You start studying the Bible, woo, it is good stuff. Even to the language, he's buying us back. And then the last one is kafar. I didn't say Jafar like the Disney thing, but kafar. Okay, got to get that cut in there. Kafar is a reword that means to cover sin and atone for in a legal matter. A substitutionary way. <laughs> oh, if you guys don't see it, this, this, is, this is awesome. I mean, you get so excited when you get into the Bible and say, look, the kinsman redeemer is Jesus. Boaz was just a type. Ruth was just a type of church. Boaz bought back Ruth, and Jesus has bought back the church to bring us to salvation, even through the language. Oh, it's good. It is good stuff. Boaz was a type of Christ. Not only was Boaz a type of Christ, but in the genealogy of Jesus, he's mentioned. And it, right, oh, there he is. Ruth married Boaz. They had Obed. Obed had Jesse. Jesse had David. And through David's lineage, <laughs> I'm telling you, if we, if we line ourselves with Jesus... He is able and faithful and wonderful to put us through. I mean, Boaz was waiting all this time. And just so happens that Jesus puts Ruth in the right spot at the right time for the right reason. To bring Jesus. Oh, that's all right. Stay there. I mean, that's good stuff. And so Jesus came at the right time for the right people, for the right time, for eternity, to buy us back with his sacrifice. And look at this. I, I love this. We should draw, draw this everywhere. He came. Jesus came. He died. He arose. He ascended to heaven. And he's coming back. There's the gospel in picture form. I mean, that's good stuff. If you want to come to Jesus, have faith in him. Because he has done all this for us to come to him. To be the kinsman redeemer. Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. He wants us back. He has bought it all. On the cross. And he resurrected. And if we want to be resurrected spiritually, when, when he comes back, we need to be with Jesus. If not, the second death is right there. And I don't want to go to hell. Anybody want to go to hell? I don't want to go to hell. Jesus has done everything to rescue us. We just need to have faith in him. 
Just like Ruth humbled herself in front of Boaz, we need to humble ourselves in front of Jesus. The bride of Christ needs to humble themselves again. To have a true revival, we've got to say we are nothing without Jesus. And we need to come to him more and more. Let's pray.